0: Welcome market participants to another Three Things in Credit. Unlike a vaccination jab, this won't hurt a bit, I promise. I'm Van Hesser, Chief Strategist at KBRA. Each week, we bring you three things in credit markets that caught our eye that we believe you should know about. Let's get started. This week, our three things are, one, speaking of vaccinations, this week's announcement that Johnson & Johnson's vaccine has been linked to a handful of blood clot cases is a troubling development for the herd immunity story. Is this the pause that discourages? Two, the economic boom is coming. We'll take a look at the retail sales blowout, the latest high-frequency data gathered by the New York Fed, and the drop in jobless claims we've been waiting for. And three, The rise in commodities prices is being felt by manufacturers the world over as the reopening takes root. Who benefits? Materials producers, that's who. We'll see how they're benefiting. All right, let's dig a bit deeper. It's been remarkable to us how nearly universal the view is that the pandemic is all but behind us. Yes, vaccines have been developed in record time that have shown to be highly effective and which are being distributed in the U.S. at a phenomenal rate. That speaks to Big Pharma's ability to ramp up and distribute production, and that is a positive surprise given where we were just a few months ago. But as we have talked and written about previously, we believe the most significant risk to credit markets over the near term is not inflation fears or geopolitical fears, it's the possibility that the pandemic continues to materially disrupt the economic recovery. We remain amazed at the variance in opinion and the known unknowns among the scientific community in terms of the ongoing risks of COVID-19, the path toward herd immunity, and ultimately the eradication of the pandemic. There are credible, highly credentialed views on this story ranging from, this is all but over, all the way to, we are about to enter the worst phase. And experts are hard pressed to explain differences between states or regions where there are clear differences in how people behave with regard to the virus and the degree to which the economy is open. It feels like the scientific community is still very much chasing the pandemic. Now sticking to facts, the global case count continues to bounce hard off of February lows as outbreaks from Michigan to Brazil to India keep popping up. We bring all of this up, not in the name of politically motivated grandstanding, but merely point out that there remains considerable uncertainty to this risk. Which is what came to mind when we learned this week that the CDC hit pause on the J&J vaccine. While it strikes us as the only ethical thing to do, we couldn't help but fear this would not be helpful in the race to achieve herd immunity. Although there is not clear consensus on what percentage of Americans need to be vaccinated in order to achieve herd immunity, there's that uncertainty again, we have a sense that there is not a lot of room for vaccine hesitancy. According to the Kaiser Family Foundation, citing data from a survey in March, 20% of respondents fall into the definitely not, and only if required buckets, when asked if they intend to take the vaccine. Another 17% was going to wait and see before getting vaccinated. So that's 37% of the population that is less than convinced vaccines are worth the risk. And that percentage will almost certainly go up in the wake of the J&J news. I saw an interview this past week on Bloomberg with Tina Fordham, head of global strategy at the London-based law and consulting firm Avenhurst who noted that the willingness to get vaccinated is a function of three things. One, trust in government. Two, social cohesion, i.e., how likely is the population to follow rules. And three, the vulnerability of that population to believing in conspiracy theories, a byproduct of which is that you can be manipulated by misinformation. this development, the J&J vaccine on pause development, worsens all three. As pollster Frank Luntz said, quote, this is devastating. At the very moment that conservatives were starting to reconsider their hesitancy, they are told that their fears are real and justified, unquote. And of course, vaccine skeptics are by no means limited to conservatives. Douglas Kreiner, a government professor at Cornell University who has studied vaccine hesitancy said, and I quote, We're very concerned that this announcement for very rare side effects could have a disproportionate impact in triggering and bringing fears to the surface. The point is, there are way too many points of uncertainty out there with regard to the pandemic to declare victory. Vaccine safety, uptake, and efficacy against variants make this a fluid and still influential risk element. Look at the rally in the Treasury market. I think investors are paying attention to this story. Don't lose sight of it. All right, on to our second thing, the post-stimulus economic liftoff. March retail sales up 9.8% from the prior month blew away the official estimate, although whispers leading up to the release were clearly pointing to this kind of outcome. Keep in mind, the 20-year average month-on-month increase in retail sales is three-tenths of one percent, so the latest reading is 33 times the average. Like I've said, we're in a different world. The fuel behind the jump is familiar. A fresh round of stimulus injected into the mix, although that has largely been saved so far, warmer weather, and good old-fashioned pandemic fatigue, as in, I'm taking spring break because well, just because I need spring break. Or a new car, autos were up 15.1%. Or a brand new TV, electronics were up 10.5%. You get the picture. Oh, and restaurants and bars surged 13.4% and are now just 5% below pre-pandemic levels. Incredibly, people are flush and ready to spend. The big questions over the balance of the year are, One, tying back to our first thing, do people feel safe going out to bars and restaurants and theme parks and the movies? Two, are people willing to travel? And is that travel lower key, as in seeing family or grander in scale? And three, just how much bigger ticket durable goods are left for them to buy? Keep in mind that durable goods, which represent about 10% of GDP, jumped nearly 12% in 2020 about double its usual growth rate, begging the question, can this pace be maintained? It's not like you're going to go out and buy another new car or another flat-screen TV. And as far as travel, you're not going to take four vacations to make up for lost time. So that pull forward was fairly powerful in 2020, and clearly it's still happening, but that strength figures to moderate a bit in the second half of the year. Now let's go back to our spring break theme. Anecdotally, it felt like a lot of folks made that choice as the pandemic waned. Case count, by the way, has bottomed out in February. And as vaccinations ramped up and destinations like Florida and Texas opened way up. The anecdotal evidence was supported by high frequency data coming out of sources such as the New York Fed, where their high frequency data index, the Weekly Economic Index, hit a recent high. The index tracks 10 daily and weekly indicators covering consumer behavior, the labor market, and production, and is scaled to align with the four-quarter GDP growth rate. Its latest reading, 11.74 on April 10th, is off the chart, literally. And the last data item uh, is this week's jobless claims data, finally showing the kind of drop, 193,000 to a new pandemic low, of 576,000, that is more consistent with the economic boom set to take place. While still elevated, the move is consistent with the reopening we're seeing in the retail sales data in bars and restaurants that we touched on. It is those hard-hit sectors, again, travel and leisure, that is the last to come back, but it now looks as though that labor market is healing there and overall at a faster rate. Notwithstanding pandemic-era scarring and secular dislocation that we believe is evident in the U6 reading as well as the labor participation and employee population ratios. So pay attention to those as well. The point of all of this is to say the economic data is now showing the return of consumer and commercial confidence fueled by vaccine uptake and massive stimulus. All right, on to our third thing. The economic reawakening is benefiting materials producers. As we were looking at a sectoral breakdown of 2021 earnings growth forecast for the S&P 500, we took notice of the name at the top of the list, materials. The quintessential value sector is forecast to grow earnings by 37% in 2021, topping all others. Chemicals, construction materials, containers and packaging, metals and mining are all set up for very strong earnings growth in 2021. We've talked repeatedly about manufacturers struggling to get the materials they need. Consider the latest ISM manufacturing report, where the prices index expanded for the 10th consecutive month, indicating, quote, continued supplier pricing power, unquote. A Wall Street Journal article this week said it is hard to find a commodity not rising in price. The Commodity Research Bureau's All Commodities Index is a spike skyward from its April-a-year-ago low and up 48% over that period, approaching its 10-year high. The Baltic Dry Index is up nearly five-fold from its pandemic low. Chemicals, the largest component of the materials sector, is looking to grow earnings in 2021 at 27%, and experience margin expansion of 160 basis points to 12.1%. Construction materials is showing the largest improvement, with earnings growth of 47% and margin expansion of 410 basis points. The nationwide housing shortage is attributable in part to simply not enough materials. But once they are supplied, home builders are able to pass along those higher costs, which we are seeing in soaring home values. In materials, it is boom time indeed. So there you have it. Three things in credit. One, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine pause is yet another data point that suggests that the pandemic is not in the rearview mirror. Two, the economic boom is coming. Retail sales blow out. The latest high-frequency data gathered by the New York Fed and the big drop in jobless claims suggest the boom is here. And three, the rise in commodities prices is being felt by manufacturers the world over as the reopening takes root. Materials producers are the beneficiary, and strong earnings growth is likely. As always, thanks for joining us. Don't forget to check in on KBRA.com for our latest rating reports and research. See you next week.